everyone how many fathers do we have here let's see your hand everyone how many fathers do we have here let's see your hands congratulations happy father's day we're thankful for all the fathers that uh, continue to pray and seek the Lord and lead their families very very good thing that this is happening in our country today uh, with all the bad, there's so much good taking place, so just don't ever lose sight of that. I wanted to, before I actually get into the message, I wanted to thank everyone for the 35th anniversary that we had two weeks ago. My wife and I, we developed a sore throat. I don't know how, we hadn't had sore throats and I don't know when, but on Friday of the week before last, I was on, we were coming back from a funeral, and I told my wife, I said, I'm cratering fast. So we stopped at a, one of these urgent care places in Huntsville and went in, and uh, they examined me. Linda didn't want to go in. And um, so anyway, I thought I had strep. They didn't think I did, but it hurt like strep. So anyway, so we missed last week, but I wanted to personally thank everyone for uh, for the wonderful reception and the cards and all the, the sweet things that people say. Uh, we just are so grateful. And we are thankful. We give God the glory for 35 years. It's, it's not anything that we've done. It's what He has done. And we want Him to receive all the glory. Uh, you've had to put up with a lot. I, I know that. You, you've had to listen to the same stories so many times, and I, I, just, I just hate it. I, I do know that I'm repeating myself from time to time, but um, uh, you've been very patient, and some of you actually look like you're hearing it for the first time, so I don't know exactly where you are uh, in your situation, but you do look like you're hearing it for the first time, so that's encouraging to me. And uh, makes me excited to think, well, you may be hearing it for the first time. I don't know. But, um, but anyway, thank you all so much. And there are so many behind the scenes and serving and cleaning and all the things that took place. We're very grateful. But let's get into the message. The message is, um, I do actually have a title. I normally struggle with titles, as, uh, as Pastor Joe uh, says from time to time. But these are practical steps to uh, moving toward church unity and family unity. Practical steps, these are biblical practical steps, moving toward church unity and family unity. You see, the Lord, it seems like in my life, the Lord has burdened me with just a few separate, you know, just messages topics that just burden me. One is salvation. I just, I am burdened for the lost. I, I, when I see statistics and I see numbers and I see people that have passed away, it burdens me because, and that's what happened to me when I was called to preach the gospel because as a Houston police officer from 70 through 75, I saw a lot of people breathe their last or that had taken their last breath and it burdened me that was part of the reason I surrendered to preach because I saw people going off into eternity and and probably 
the majority of them not knowing Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. And so it was a tremendous burden. And, and that burden has not left me yet. I still am concerned. I'm still burdened. I'm still uh, prayerful of many people coming to know Jesus Christ before it's too late for them. So we preach Christ and Him crucified. And we preach salvation. And we want people to hear. We want people to know that you can't work your way to heaven. You can't join enough churches to get to heaven. You can't be baptized enough times to get to heaven. You have to place your total faith and trust in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on Calvary, the blood, the, the cross, the empty tomb. That's the only way you'll ever get to heaven. And so we preach Christ. Another area is trials. I love to preach about trials and how God uses trials to conform us to the image of Christ. And we all have trials. The Bible uh, talks about a variety of trials. And we all have. You have yours, we have ours. And so the variety of trials that people face. And so I love to preach about those classrooms. You've heard me refer to the classrooms, the classroom that you're in. And I also love, I have a burden for family unity. I have a burden for church unity. In fact, I was thinking back as I was driving in today, I was thinking about one of the times when uh, our family got together, all the adult kids, uh, well, Rod and Brian's family, as we, as we went to the deer camp and we had a place leased for, for five days or so. As we depart, we always have prayer before we leave. So we get in a circle and I say a few words. And so I always say to them, I encourage you as we all age and go through life that you work hard to avoid conflict in the family. And please, please, children, grandchildren, do not allow things to become so important that you fuss and fight over things. And so um, it's, been, it's, it, it's a burden in my heart, but you know I talk about it at church. So turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 4. Today we're going to, my wife actually suggested this about three weeks ago. She said, Rod, you, you constantly are saying, the Bible teaches unity. She said, you really, really have not gone over steps, what to do to, to get there. And so I said, you know, that's a good idea. I like that. So I started working on that. And, and we're not going to be able to get them all today. Uh, we're, we're, I promise you we'll not get them all. But we're going to get through some of them today, some of these steps. So Let's, let's start with the word of God, Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, verse 1, prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now then, verse 3 is key here. Endeavoring. I always see that word endeavoring and I know I've looked up the Greek, I've gone to W.E. Vine, but it really means work hard at. Work hard at keeping unity. Something you have to work at. 
in your family, in the church, in relationships, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. The Lord is one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to prepare our hearts, to get us ready, to, to be willing to hear these practical steps of how to achieve, how to take that pathway to unity. And I pray, Father, that you'd give all of us wisdom to be able to discern truth and that not only just to be hearers of the word, we would actually apply, we would actually do what you show us to do in your word. So we trust you now to accomplish your will. We ask you to bring glory and honor to yourself. And we ask you, Father, to just lift up and exalt the holy, righteous, perfect name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So on salvation, uh, it's important to understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And children do die, young adults die, married people die, young and middle-aged people. We just attended our builder's uh, funeral last, uh, last Friday, not this Friday, but the Friday before, and uh, he was 59 years old, just out of nowhere, thought he had pulled a muscle in his back, discovered he had a rare form of a child's cancer and it started in his kidneys and went to his bones we saw him on Tuesday night he was not breathing dead on Friday night 59 years old healthy looking man had a grip Tuesday I shook his hand had a grip so just you just don't know so I believe the church and, and I think we do a pretty good job, but the church needs to be evangelistic. We should be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ as we go through life. And I want to emphasize, I've, I've watched a few messages from uh, Dr. David Jeremiah and um, Charles Stanley here recently. And uh, one of them, I don't even remember, I think it was Dr. David Jeremiah, but um, said, Evangelism is not just for preachers and missionaries. It's for every Christian. So every Christian needs to be preaching the gospel. Every Christian needs to be presenting Christ as the Holy Spirit leads you as you go. All of us, we're all, this is not just a preacher's responsibility or missionaries. This is every born-again child of God. We have opportunities. You have relationships. You have people that you will be in contact that none of us will, and they probably may not even darken the doors of the church to hear the preaching of the gospel. But you do. You're with them at work. You're with them in your family gatherings, and you need to be sensitive to get them the gospel as the Holy Spirit leads you. So, <clears throat> let's take this first step 
And it's, um, it's a familiar verse, John 13. And I know these verses, we, we use these verses a lot, but I want you to look at John 13 again, and this is going to be the first point, and I'll tell you just a second after I read it. 13, 34, and 35. And this ought to be a, a life verse for us. We ought to say this is, this is important. 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this, by the love that you have for one another, is what the scripture is saying, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, you've heard me say this so many times, but I'll just real briefly. Lost people need to see the church loving each other. They need to hear the good things that are happening in church, not the church splits. They need to hear that, boy, that, that group, they love each other. That's a family church. They, they love being together. And not the horror stories that we've all heard and, and shared in past churches. So let me just say this. So the, the, the point is our love for each other should be greater than any disagreement we may have. That's the first point. Our love for each other should be greater than any disagreement we may have. All right, does that make sense? And I'm telling you, that's if we can get this one, we're, we're on the way. Our love for each other should be greater than any disagreement that we ever have. Love covers. How do you think my wife and I celebrated last September our 50th wedding anniversary? Let me, let me say something here that, that you know, but you need to be reminded. We will not always agree on everything. We're not. So if we come to church and we, you know, I've heard this 35 years. We go to North Belt because we are gathering with like minded believers really like-minded on some things but not like-minded on everything amen like-minded on some things but not like-minded on everything but you see what we should be able to agree to is that our love should be greater than any disagreement that we would ever... That's how we've made it 50 years plus, about to be 51. Because our love for each other is greater than any... I mean, we, we don't agree on everything. My sister's a member of this church. Her husband. And I remember a few years back, I remember her saying... Rod, I love you as my brother, and you're my pastor, but I don't agree with you on everything. I said, praise God, I understand that. And I, I don't expect people to always agree with everything. So let's get over that hump right away. I think that's a good one to get over. You say, oh, I'm not so shocked any longer. We, we all don't see things the same way, and, and that's okay. 
in marriage or in a church. We all have different ideas, different opinions. I think there is a key that there should be in a marriage and in church the freedom to at least express ourselves to someone like the elders. And that's why we have in our doctrine say wise elders will listen to the appeals of the body. And we have listened. Many of the things that happen here at the church have happened from appeals. The most recent is the couples class. We were going in another direction. Dick Boger and Valerie sent in a, gave me a letter. Hand, it was typed, well done, made an appeal. Have y'all considered the young couples? Well, we hadn't really thought that much about it. We'd thought about it, but hadn't thought that much about it. Got to praying about it, got to working on it, planning, talked to Dwight, talked to Terry. And you know what? It's a reality now. It came from an appeal. The elders didn't think of that. That wasn't our, our deal. But it came from an appeal. I think that if we know how to communicate with each other civilly, not in anger, not in frustration, but I think we ought to be able to sit down and communicate with each other over things that may be difficult or hard, but so we ought to be able to communicate. Let me just give you a couple of thoughts here on expressing your ideas to each other. Right time is important. The timing of it is important in a marriage or in a church. Timing is important. Tone is important. Tone is important. Attitude is important. And I'm going to tell you what, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to pick up on bad attitudes. I mean, even I can do that. The ones who make the final decision should be willing to listen. They should be willing to have an open mind toward other ideas other than their own. So husbands, it's Father's Day. Your wife should be able to communicate to you, with you, of an idea that may not be your idea. And you should be able to hear her and listen to her and understand that's her heart. She's expressing her heart with you. And she's, if she's a wise woman, she's going to express it with the right tone, right attitude, right time, and she's going to give it to you and then say, it's between you and God now. And I'm going to tell you, when my wife does that, pressure, 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 pressure. It's important. We have different ideas, different views, and we reach different conclusions on what to do and how to do something. But our Christian love, remember that, that's the first point. Our Christian love should be greater than any disagreement that we have. We ought to have a greater love for each other. It should be stronger. It should be, we should 
begin to see the bigger picture. The bigger picture is God wants to use our love relationship in the body of Christ to see lost people come to Jesus Christ for salvation. It should be more important, our love for each other should be more important than me just getting my way. I mean, you know what? I've seen it in marriages where a wife badgers, 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 badgers. And I've heard men say, you know, I just finally gave up. I'm tired of the fight. That's no way to get something done by, according to the will of God. That's no way to get it done. Or my plan of action, my, my way. You don't, that's not the way to get it done. Showing our love for each other is more important than being right. Now then, <clears throat> learn how to make an appeal. Talked about tone and attitude and timing. Learn how to make an appeal and then pray. I'm going to tell you something. I've experienced, I've seen firsthand over now. I've been in ministry 46 years. Here, 35 years, I've seen it happen from time to time. Make your appeal and then learn to pray about it. And what you're doing when you start praying about it, you're actually trusting God to change the person's heart, not you. You need to see God change the heart, not you. Take it to your Heavenly Father and pray without ceasing. Trust God to change them. If you're right, if you believe you're right, learn to trust God with it. So much better when God does it, that way He gets all the glory. When God does it, He gets all the glory. That way you can't take any credit. And I'm going to make a statement here, and I really believe this. I don't think there's ever any good comes from something when you take it by force. I, I, think, I think there's going to be splinters, and I think there's going to be hurt feelings, and I think there's going to be possibly damage that may not be repairable if you try to take something by force or by pressure, nagging. It seems like to me, my experience has been that many relationships are never quite the same after situations like that. And you need to just know this and be reminded of this. We need to remember that God is very capable. By the way, whose church is it? Would you all say it with me? Whose church is it? You know, preachers all the time, I hear them all the time. My church this, my church that, my church. We did this at my church. I hear it all the time. It's not the preacher's church. That's why on the sign out there, it says God's church. That's why that's out there. It's been there for all these years. Because God taught me a long time ago, it's not my church. But dear brethren, I want to tell you, it's not your church either. It's His church. And when you and I come to that realization, then a lot can get accomplished when we start saying, 
Well, God, you are very more than capable of taking care of your church. It's your church. You're capable. You can accomplish your will and your plan. So you need to learn to see God's hand in everything that he's doing in your church, in your life. Exciting way to live when you see God open doors. Even, I can remember Mrs. Jones, and I've, I've seen this here recently. Mrs. Jones would say, I prayed about a parking spot because God knew I couldn't walk a long distance. And all of a sudden, right up close, there'd be one. That's for they had the handicap. Or her, for, for her to have the handicap. And I've seen the same thing. All of a sudden, you just drive up and there it is. You need to see God's hand in that. That's, that, that's just ought to, ought to be a daily walk. That you see God open this door, shut this door, move this mountain. I mean, it's, a, it's an exciting way to live. When you just bump into people. I mean, it, it's, it's really important to see God's hand in all these different areas. So by this shall all men know that we're his disciples by our love that we have for one another. The ultimate goal is to see the lost come to Christ. And we must keep in mind, we must bear in mind that lost souls are watching us. They, they are watching. Believe me, they're watching. They're, they're watching sometimes with a very critical eye. Almost sometimes hoping we'll make a mistake. But they're watching. You can count on it. And they need to see the love of Christ. They need to see us loving each other. They need to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to draw them through that relationship that, that we have with Christ. And they can see that and they'll be attracted. So that's the first thing. We need to love each other. And the, our love for each other should be greater than any conflict or any difference of opinion or any different idea that we ever have. We really need to come to that conclusion. So if you want to take steps to unity... You want to start moving toward church unity and family unity? You need to start off with that one as the first one. Our love should be greater than any conflict. Number two. Let me look this one up. Matthew 16. I don't have it marked. I just look it up real fast. Matthew 16. You can turn there if you will. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's the second point. If you're going to take steps to unity, steps to unity in the church, steps to unity in the family... You're going to not only just have love for one another, it's greater than any conflict, you're going to have to learn to deny yourself. Deny self. That means a whole lot of things. That means I don't have a will of my own. Remember those days over in the other building? No will of my own. And all of a sudden, well, I won't say that. Some people discovered they had their will and they decided to will their way somewhere else. 2-4. Uh, 
Philippians, the book of Philippians 2, 4, 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. On the things of others. Taking up our cross daily. I know it's a principle about discipleship. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, that you take up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow Christ. I understand that principle. But it's also a principle about life. If you're going to take up your cross daily as a Christian, then you will take up your cross daily and you'll deny yourself of rights that you sometimes we we struggle with these are my rights i have a right and and think about it if you if you just even hear any of the propaganda through advertising you deserve this you deserve this this is what you deserve the government owes you this And so, as a human being, separate, we can be born again, but, but apart from that daily taking up Jesus' cross and denying ourselves, if we don't do that and we're not practicing that, then we are going to go into life, go into a marriage, go into church, thinking, I have certain rights. These are mine. These are mine. And so, if you want to resolve, and you know, don't think, don't fall for this. Well, you you just become a doormat. Then, that's not true. You might become meek. You might become meek. If you learn to yield your rights, say, you know what? I would I would rather, even though this may be the right approach, I would rather deny myself. And have oneness and unity in the body of Christ. Than me to demand and command and force my way into this. Not having a will of my own. When we're blood bought. We're blood bought vessels. For the use of God. We really should be his. We're clay in the potter's hands. When Jesus was in the garden he said. Ask for this cup to be removed. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will, Father, but thy will be done. That's a perfect illustration of denying yourself. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. No will of my own, yielding my rights, considering others more important than I consider myself. The whole principle... The truth of Jesus dying on the cross. Just the, some of the verses, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Even Luke 9, 23. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
The cross is a perfect example and a perfect picture of Jesus Christ denying himself. He's perfect. He's the son of God. Never committed a sin. Not capable of committing a sin because he's God. He thought more of us than he did of himself. And he died on Calvary and shed his blood. Gave, he gave, they didn't take his life, he gave his life. If I follow in his footsteps, I will live a life with no will of my own and no agenda of my own. I just want to follow the Lord. And I can tell you this, you, you, you will experience peace that you've never experienced when you, when you even think you're right and you might even be right. Let's just, let's just agree to that. There are times that you might even be right, but you may not get your way, even if you're right. I mean, does that ever happen in a marriage? Wife makes an appeal, and she's right. Fathers, she's right. And we still decide another way. But you know what? Unity and oneness and sweetness in a marriage is more important than being right. All right, that's the second one. Number three, agree with the Word of God. I, there's something about agreeing with this book. There's something about submitting to this book. It is absolute truth. And when the word of God, see, the problem, we can preach our heart out. We can say, thus saith the Lord all day long. But until the church is submitted to the authority of the word of God, then we're always going to come up with an excuse. And let me tell you this. I have been here long enough, preached long enough, dealt with Christians long enough. I've seen them manipulate Scripture to fit their particular desires and lifestyle. They can make the Scripture say what they want it to, and still they don't, it doesn't have to be right. I mean, it's not accurate. But they can justify. And they'll pull out Scripture and use it and... And it's dangerous. It's dangerous. So the church, we all need to agree that we're going to submit. We submit to the authority of the word of God. God says, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit of, of peace. Then we need to do that. It says it's better to think more of others than ourselves. We ought to do that. If it talks about by this shall all men know that we are his disciples, by the love that we have for each other. We should do that. It should be on our minds. We should be thinking about it and saying, that's what the Word of God says. That's what the Word of God says. You want a, you want a church to march like a powerful army to accomplish the will of God in America? Take down the divisions and the barriers. And walk together under the authority of the word of God. Then you'll see some change. Then you'll see victory. Then you'll see souls saved. But as long as we're fragmented 
under every doctrine and all the different things that we disagree with and we get with this little group because we believe this doctrine and we get with this little group because we believe this doctrine and we're fussing and fighting over doctrines while people are dying and going to hell. Look, let's wait till we get to heaven and Jesus is going to straighten it all out. And you know what? I probably am not going to get it all right. But that's okay. I can't wait for heaven. I can't wait to know all the details of all the different doctrines. I think I'm going to get some of them right. Agree with the Word of God. Agree that the Word of God says certain things. Agree that strife and division is not God's plan for the church. Unity and oneness is God's plan. You know, it's sad, and I don't know how to really say this, but I think about people that live a certain lifestyle, and they live maybe in, you know, dreadful situations. They live in, you know, fussing and fighting and drinking and alcohol and drugs. You know, Bless their hearts, they think that's the way to live. In other words, they see that as the norm. Please, may I, may I just, I want to share my pastor's heart with you. It is not the norm. I know that all of us have come from different churches. We've all experienced, I've been a part of different churches, five different churches. Uh, we've all have our horror stories. But church faction Church division is not the norm, even though that's what we've used to, that's what we've gotten accustomed to, and we just say that's just kind of part of church. That's not God's plan for the church. Please, would y'all say amen? That's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. So don't settle back and say, that's just the way it's going to be. We, nothing can change it. No, I'm preaching today. I want to see some change. I believe it's possible to change. That's what it's all about. We can change. We don't have to accept that kind of lifestyle. That's not God's plan for the church. You may have experienced it, but oh, brother, that's not God's plan. All right, let's move along. Trying to move quickly through these. Number four. Number four I have in my outline, there is freedom in understanding jurisdiction. We're talking about unity. We're talking about unity in family. We're talking about unity in the church. There is freedom in understanding jurisdiction. Now, Dwight, three years ago... <laughs> It had to be three years ago. I said, when are you going to preach a, a full-blown message on jurisdiction? I, I'm really headed that direction. But just for the sake of this message, not to expand on all the thoughts on jurisdiction that my little mind possibly could think of, there is freedom, and I know this to be a fact, there is freedom when we understand jurisdiction. Listen, folks. As a pastor for all these years, I've seen people get upset, worked up, frothed up, riled up over things that's not 
any of their business. Could you say amen to that? And we're going to have an invitation. If some of you have been involved like that, we're going to offer the invitation. (laughs) I'm really not kidding, but. People get worked up over stuff that's none of their business. Get riled up, frothed up, worked up over stuff that's not in their area. So relax. Take a breath. Enjoy life. Enjoy the peace of God. Because you know what? God, when it's that other person's jurisdiction, say a father's home, God deals with him. You can rest in that. And you don't have to try to be the Holy Spirit in everybody's life. In fact, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say it very cautiously. There is a teaching out there, and I call it a troubled teaching, that there are some folks that believe that because all of those that have been born again in the body of Christ all around the world, that is the universal church. I agree with that to a point. But the government of the church rests on the local church. So when those outside of the local church say we're going to bring discipline against somebody in another church, that's up to that local church's government, not them. Y'all watch, because you may see some of it. It's out there. It's being taught. It's incorrect. It's out of their jurisdiction. They're claiming it is because of the universal church idea. But it's not their jurisdiction. The jurisdiction for church discipline rests in this body with the elders of this church. So it's important that we understand jurisdiction. It's, there's a freedom in it. And I can promise you, not every family that I've known that's come through the doors of this church, I've not always agreed with everything that they've done, child rearing and entertainment or whatever. But there's just such a freedom to know that's not my responsibility. Now, I pray for them, concern. And if it's getting involved in sin, that's a different story. But I'm talking about just decisions that they make. That's up to the father. The mother working together. So, learn the principle of jurisdiction. And you will be stress-free more than you're uptight. Okay? Last of all, and again, we're kind of moving through these pretty quickly. I think each one could be a message. But I wanted to give these points of steps of moving toward church unity and family unity. Number five, for today, this is not all of them forever, but for today is... Be eager to ask forgiveness. Be eager to ask forgiveness. You know, it was about, I don't know, a few weeks back, several months back, I don't remember. A lot of, a lot of churches paid a real terrible price for COVID. 
Attendance-wise, financially, you can still see in our finances, it's just, it affects us. It's affected us. And a lot of people, it was very stressful on all of us, trying to make decisions, trying to do the right thing, what's right, what do you believe, what do you not believe. Very difficult times. Will referred to it. I appreciate him. I appreciate his message last week. What a dynamite preacher. What a dynamite. Jason Ritchie, Pastor Joe, all these preaching that's going on. But I appreciate him bringing that up because it is important to see it from another pastor's viewpoint. This is, this is in America. This hurt the church. But there was a period of time there a few months back that three different people called me up and asked me for forgiveness. And you know what? Honestly, I, to be completely honest, I, didn't even, I hadn't even thought about it, wasn't dwelling on it. Had, it really wasn't in my mind. But I, I was so thankful for people asking for forgiveness, the sensitivity. I wonder, I have to ask you, how long has it you've been since you've asked somebody for forgiveness? How long has it been? Fathers, I, I've dealt with fathers for a lot of years. And I know that fathers, because of the pride factor, it's hard for fathers to admit they're wrong. It's hard for fathers to humble themselves and say to the family, I was wrong in that. My attitude was not good. Pride. Pride. Men are strong. Men don't cry. Pride. Humble yourself. How long has it been that you've asked forgiveness from a church member? Each other. Not talking about always toward us. I'm just talking about with each other. You said something. You know you said something to hurt somebody. How long has it been that you've asked forgiveness? You know the Holy Spirit's kept pointing out, pointing out, pointing out, but you haven't responded. How long? So our love should be greater than any conflict or offense that we have. We should deny ourselves, yield our rights, have no will of our own, agree with God's word. This is what God's word says. We need to submit to it. There's freedom in understanding jurisdiction, and we need to be quick to ask forgiveness. Folks, that's just the start of the steps of moving toward unity. I encourage you, be serious about this imitation time. If the Holy Spirit brings something to your mind, please say, yes, Lord. Don't argue, don't fight. Yes, Lord. And if you need to get saved, this is a great place to get saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. We thank you for the power that's in it. We pray that you would accomplish your will. And Father, that Jesus would be exalted. His name would be lifted up. Perfect, holy, righteous name of Jesus. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Today, Father, we ask you to tenderize our hearts. Help us to respond and say yes to you where you're pointing out areas that we need to respond to. I pray that you would convict us and that we would not resist, we would not fight, but we would agree with you 100%. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.